Hello, Live Spring Bible Church family. God bless you. It's good to be with you. I'm very excited. Um, this should really be the last Sunday where I'm talking to you from my office. Um, it's um, This is for uh, Sunday, November 7th, of course. Grab your Bibles right now and turn to Numbers chapter 14 and then set your Bible down because we're, we're going to read passages of Scripture from Numbers chapter 14 and we're going to pray first before we do. Just want to talk about a couple of things uh, first. Uh, we're working on finalizing the guidelines for being prepared to meet next Sunday. Now, we're going to post those on LifespringAK.com. All right, you'll be able to go there, LifespringAK.com, and look at those requirements. You need to do it uh, by uh, no later than tomorrow evening because we're getting ready spiritually, we're getting ready physically. And I will say this, we're not going to discuss those over the Internet. Um, we, uh, we are going to post them on our uh, LifespringAK.com website, and you'll be able to see them clearly there written in a legible manner. Uh, there's just a couple of few things that we need to tweak. And let me just say this about that. Um, not everybody's going to like everything we have to do, um, but we're going to do what we need to do to be safe uh, and while at the same time exercising faith in God that he's going to protect us and watch over us. And um, I would say that, um, you know, anointed common sense is what we're going to use. Uh, we've taken a close look at the requirements by the state. We've taken a close look at the requirements by the city of Anchorage, and those two places are our main sources. And it's very important uh, to do the best we can to honor and to respect uh, those requirements. Now, also, though, there is a third leg to this three-legged stool. There are the requirements that are placed on us by Wayland Baptist University because, as you well know, we rent the facilities from Wayland Baptist University. Now, here's the thing. We follow these rules and these guidelines to the best of our ability and pray that uh, God protects us, watches over us, keeps us safe. We pray that no one gets sick. Uh, we, we prepare spiritually for what uh, the gathering uh, that we're going to have uh, next Sunday and you need to avail yourself to this information that's online. Um, and I believe with all of my heart, as the news stays good and we move forward, that we'll, it was in 1917, there was a photograph of, of American citizens at a baseball game and all of them were wearing masks during the 1917 pandemic. And yet we weren't wearing masks six months ago uh, in the world. And um, my, my prayer is that this doesn't go on and on and on and on and on. If people want to wear masks six months from now or a year from now or two years from now or three years from now or five years from now, God bless them. Let them wear masks. I, I'd like us to reach a point where we don't need to anymore or we don't have to. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take patience. We're going to have to have patience. And we're going to have to have understanding. And we're going to have to listen carefully to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and move forward. This family has hung together through, this is week number 11 of us not being able to meet together. But on the 12th week, we're going to be back together. And uh, yes, some of the things are going to be strange to us. But we need to work to um, help get through this period of time and uh, 
and and just move forward okay i love you very much i'm excited about uh, the opportunity to be with you uh, some may not be able to join us uh, next sunday and i understand that but we're going to start moving back towards a semblance um, of what god wants for us now in having our church services and and uh, we're going to practice some wise and safe conduct along the way and it's going to work out you know it's going to work out it's going to be okay we're going to be all right in the name of jesus so uh, we trust god amen okay the title of the message today and our passage of scripture i already told you comes from numbers chapter 14 verses 1 through 4 and the title of the message is what's on your mind what's on your mind father in jesus name i want to thank you once again for your word I want to thank you for this time that you've given us to be together on this broadcast. We pray that you would anoint our words today, Father, anoint our ears, our eyes, our hearts, our understanding in Jesus' name. Father, help me to deliver this word like wonderful seed and soil that you've prepared. And may we be faithful to water the seed with the power of prayer and that a mighty harvest would come forth in our lives because of your word, Father, and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. What's on your mind? Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. In the way of an introduction, I wanna, what I want to talk about is there's a great revelation and oh, there's many great revelations in the first four verses of in this chapter in uh, numbers chapter 14 you thought all that the whole book was about numbers right no it's not all about numbers it's not all about counting uh, the israelites it's about meditation it's about meditation it's about what people dwell on it's about uh the the good or the bad uh, but everybody meditates and i'll bring this out to you in this message today so to meditate is to have our thoughts consumed by something. Does that make sense? To meditate is to have our thoughts consumed by something. Maybe some anticipated pleasure or a problem, uh, a desire, a dream, or even a person. You can meditate on a person. All of these and many others can be objects of meditation. The question for believers is this. The question for believers is, are we consumed with thoughts about the Lord or have we allowed so many other things to fill our minds and distract us from what has to be our highest priority, knowing and loving God? Meditation on God's Word focuses our minds on the Lord, strengthens us spiritually, and brings us closer to Him. It's private time in which we receive His good and righteous and wise direction for our lives so we can become the person He wants us to be. However, there will also be times when we feel God's conviction regarding sin in our lives that we need to confess and forsake. So we find in our first point here with this message, 
Israel had an incorrect meditation. Israel's incorrect meditation. All meditation, listen to this note, all meditation is effective. It's just a question of whether it's good meditation or bad meditation. Because all medication is, meditation is effective. You, you meditate on many different things. It can be good or bad, but let me tell you, it has an effect on you. Not all meditation is positive. You know, after spending 400 years in Egypt living as slaves, the children of Israel were delivered by God when he sent a plague in which all the firstborn Egyptians died. So then Moses led the people through the wilderness to the Red Sea. Although Pharaoh pursued the Israelites and incorrectly believed he had them trapped, the Lord parted the sea so that they could cross over on dry land. Now, you know, I just got to pause here for a second and tell you. Look how many things God did that these people were witness to, and yet they did not continue to meditate on God's willingness, God's desire, God's ability to keep them delivered and keep delivering them. And they chose to waffle back and forth, wobble back and forth in their opinions about God and their meditations. It was easy for them to meditate on the things of God when they were watching the Red Sea part. But evidently after that, it didn't take long for their meditation to turn back to the things of Egypt. Watch this. And, and whenever you want to get a message across to people about human nature, every pastor knows you can go back and look at the children of Israel, and it is a tremendous example of how people treat God in this world. All right. So although Pharaoh pursued the Israelites and incorrectly believed he had them trapped, the Lord parted the sea so that they could cross over on dry land. Afterward, the water returned and drowned the Egyptian army. When they finally reached the edge of the territory God had promised to give them, Moses sent 12 men to spy out the land. Joshua and Caleb came back to report that the land was good and that the Lord would help them conquer it. But the people chose to listen to the bad report of the other 10 spies who told them the inhabitants were too powerful for them to overcome. Instead of meditating on the promises and the power of God, the people's thoughts were consumed with fear. They began to meditate on fear instead of the power of God and the love of God and the presence of God and the deliverance of God and all of the things that God is about. They were buried in what they had been meditating on. So rather than trusting and obeying God, they wanted to appoint a leader to take them back to Egypt to become slaves once again. What had happened was... After 40 years in the wilderness, you know, all of the people that, that crossed the Red Sea of a certain age and up were dead by the time the children of Israel got to the Promised Land and we were going to start possessing it. Uh, only Joshua and Caleb were alive and Moses, but Moses wasn't allowed to enter into the Promised Land because of disobedience to God during the period of time that the children of Israel were moving around in the wilderness. He disobeyed God and uh, he wasn't allowed to see the promised land for that reason. Joshua and Caleb were alive to enter into the promised land because they were two of 12 spies that had been meditating on the things of God and the power of God and the deliverance of God and the love of God and the provision of God. And they had nothing but faithful things to say 
faith-filled words about God because that's where their meditation was. And all of the other spies and the rest of the children of Israel chose to meditate on their fear. It was effective. It dominated their lives. It dominated their thinking. So although Joshua and Caleb focused on the Lord, the people could only think about themselves and the possibility of defeat and the loss of life. That's what they chose to meditate on or to dwell on. They chose to depend on themselves rather than on God. Uh, we all have this same choice. Uh, we'll depend on the Lord for every aspect of our lives or we will rely upon ourselves. Will we set our focus on the world and its pleasures and pursuits and fears or on God and his sufficiency to handle everything? Well, there's benefits on meditating on scripture and on the presence of God. It quiets our spirit and calms our thoughts. It also produces positive fruit. Listen to these. These are the fruits of meditating on God, his word, and his presence. First point, he enlightens our minds to think like he does and do what he desires. Two, he increases our energy with his power, enabling us to obey him in every circumstances. In other words, he boosts our faith. Next, he purifies our hearts by exposing sin so we can confess and repent. See, I can't leave that out. See, God is involved. If I say to you, God cares about, and he's involved in every minute detail of our lives, that would include the sin. You say, well, pastor, he's interested in my sin. You bet he is. He's interested in your sin because it must be dealt with. If we're to grow and we're to mature, we got to listen to God. we got to let God do what he needs to do, what he wants to do, what he desires to do in our lives. And from time to time, that's going to be pointing out our failures. It's going to be pointing out things that we need to let him take care of, that we may need to confess and we may need to be delivered from. And God is interested in that. Don't, don't discount that. Don't leave it out. Don't push it into the back. Put it in a different drawer or hide it in a closet. Let God deal with it. Now, here's some of the, some of the uh, more positive things. He enlarges our view of him. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I never really thought about this before uh, until a while back it just dawned on me that if I make a habit of meeting with God, you know, daily, on a daily basis, like I should, and I have quiet time alone with him, it dawned on me that God is never going to fail to be there. He'll never fail to be there. You think, well, he's a busy God. Well, he's not, he's not too busy. As a matter of fact, he wants to meet with us every day. I've had people tell me before, I, I just don't, I don't know where God is. I don't know where he is. Well, I know exactly where it is. The Bible tells me that he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. So where does that mean he is? He's right here with me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And I can know that I know that I know that I know that if I set time aside to sit down with my Bible and open it up and pray and study his word and get quiet before the Lord, he's there. He's there. Now, maybe I don't hear. Maybe I don't feel. Maybe I don't see. You know, it doesn't matter. 
the truth is. By faith, accept the fact that God's there. And the more often you do that, and the more regularly you do that, the more you'll begin to sense the presence of his spirit with you because he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, right? So he enlarges our view of him. I, I think of things about him now that I've never thought of before, and I, I pray that I continue to grow in that direction. As we spend time learning to know him, our love for him grows. The next thing, he increases our faith. We're able to trust the Lord in the trials of life because we see evidence that he is always with us. Has there ever been a time in our lives when we've needed to know that more now than, than right this minute, more than right, right now? I don't think so. We're able to trust the Lord in the trials of life because we see evidence that he is always with us. It looks like the world's lost his mind, but the world's just doing what the world does. The world's just doing what it does when, when they're not allowing God to lead their lives. What's the next thing? He increases our awareness of his presence. Um, you get to where you know what it's like for God to show up in your quiet times with him when you choose to meditate on him. And the last thing is, look, there's something about, I, I, I could have used this other word in conjunction with this, and I should have. I said he fills us with joy, but technically what he fills us with is joy and peace. God's presence fills us with joy and peace. And once again, has there ever been a, a time in our lives when that's more important than right now? Knowing God more intimately through his word produces indescribable joy, completeness, peace, and security. Holy meditation is what I'm calling it. Holy meditation, because like I said, you can meditate on anything, but not much of it's holy. Holy meditation is a conversation with God himself. As we read and think about his word and seek to understand what he's saying and how it applies to our lives, the Holy Spirit guides our thoughts as well as our questions. I want to read that again. As we read and think about his word and seek to understand what he's saying and how it applies to our lives, the Holy Spirit guides our thoughts as well as our questions. Have you ever, has the thought ever crossed your mind that you really don't, I, I mean, even if God shows up, you know, what should I say? What should I do? You know, what, what questions should I ask him? Well, God will even lead in that. He'll even lead to the important questions that you should talk to him about. Without the Lord's presence with us, his word guiding us, and his spirit helping us, we'd be unable to live righteously in this world. We need his help. If we're not listening to the Lord by meditating and reading his word, we're missing his best for our lives just as the Israelites did when they refused to believe and obey him. They lost the promised land and suffered 40 long years of wandering in the wilderness. God's word is his holy, eternal gift to every one of his children. He doesn't want us to think and live like the world around us. His plans for us are more wonderful, righteous, and fulfilling than anything the world can offer. That's why we've got to listen to God let the scriptures sink into our hearts and let go of everything else that distracts or hampers our ability to meditate on him. So wrong attitudes that hinder effective meditation have a terrible effect on our lives. And, and you know, all these are, are the roots of sin in our lives and the roots of not trusting God. 
One of the wrong attitudes that hinders effective meditation is bitterness. It steals our focus from the Lord and obscures our need to love and forgive others. There's anger. It becomes stronger when it consumes our thoughts. It leads to hatred for others. Uh, hatred for others makes a right relationship with God utterly impossible. Unforgiveness, it's a barrier between us and God because our thoughts are centered on the wrong done to us rather than our own sins that put Jesus on the cross. I'm going to say that again. Unforgiveness is a barrier between us and God because our thoughts are centered on, on the wrong done to us rather than our own sins that put Jesus on the cross. So you, you've really got to ponder that. Because if, if we're only focused on the wrong that's done to us, it shrouds and clouds our vision of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, which is much more important than me allowing unforgiveness to remain in my life. If God loved me enough to allow his son Jesus to die on the cross for me and to forgive me for my sins, that should let you know how deadly unforgiveness in our lives can be to us and to others in our life. Uh, wrong attitude that hinders effective meditation could be hostility. And, and all we're, we're only talking about really the fruits of human nature in our lives without God. We're not even talking about the devil. We're talking about human nature not made dealt with by God. Right? Hostility. It's a desire to hurt others or get even. And this is incompatible with effective meditation on God. There's resentment. Uh, it's self-destructive dislike of others based on who they are or what they have. There's unbelief. It's manifested by doubts that God's interested in my life and will meet my needs. It's all based on what I meditate on. However, reading and meditating on God and His Word can increase our trust in God as we learn to know Him more fully. Now, <clears throat> You know, I didn't know quite how to put this, but there's a difference between resentment and a grudge, but we can become grudgefully minded. Does that make sense? Holding a grudge against someone is linked with other sins like anger and resentment and hostility, which are spiritually destructive, and they just plain make us miserable. Then there's the last one, which shows up with the children of Israel so prominently is fear. We become fearful. This was the focus of the children of Israel when they faced what seemed like an impossible situation and forgot about God's power. Today, fear still grips many people as they react to all the uncertainties and dangers around them, and then they forget about God. We all meditate about something. All of us do. The issue is whether we choose to dwell on God's Word and His presence, which is healthy and spiritually uplifting, or focus on ourselves, our fears, or worldly things. God's blessings await us when we make Him our priority. If we leave Him out, painful consequences are sure to follow. The promised land or the wilderness stands before us. What we choose to dwell upon will determine which way we'll get to go. There are several takeaways here that I want to discuss that I hope that you, you picked out from our message today. The first takeaway is God's plan is always best. You say, well, duh. I mean, yeah, 
the fact of the matter is we need to meditate on the fact that God's plan is always best. But I will tell you that the process sometimes is very painful and difficult. Second takeaway, sometimes the process is very painful and difficult because in our in our minds, we don't understand what God's plan is while it's unfolding or while it's, you know, being paced out by God. First, God's plan is always best. Second, sometimes the process is very painful and difficult. You know, I, I don't want to over uh, refer to this, but, you know, next week in church is going to take some adjustments. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some willingness on the parts of everyone to help us stay safe and get past this point to where we're not, there's no fear in hugging each other again. There's no fear in, in being close or being together. Uh, we want to reach that point again. And then lastly on the takeaways, don't forget that when God is silent, he is busy on your behalf. Don't forget that when God is silent, he is busy on your behalf. Don't take God's silence as him ignoring you or him not paying attention to you. He's working on your behalf. He's working. So what is the focus of our thoughts? Do we tend to dwell more on our problems, on our plans, or even pleasures than on God and his word? How does the focus of our thoughts affect our emotions and our attitudes? What effect does it have on our own faith? How much time on any given day do we set aside to be alone with God listening to him through his word and through his presence because I focus a lot on God's word but do you know that there are things that God wants to do by the power of his spirit that you know go even beyond his word the, the word is good because it's safe if, if God enlightens a scripture to you and impresses upon your heart man that's safe right but even beyond that the Holy Spirit wants to just speak to you sometimes the Holy Spirit just wants to drop things into your spirit and teach you things and show you things. But remember, ultimately, it must still line up with the written word of God or you could be heading for trouble. Uh, that's why the word of God is always the safest means by which God uses to speak to us because we can't mess that up. Difficult to mess that up. That's what I'll say. So there are a couple of passages of scripture here that I want to share with you in closing. One is Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Turn there. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's talking about meditating on God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, grab your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. And then we're going to pray together. You know, before I read that, I'll tell you, there are a whole lot of people in this world for not without cause it, only if you're over meditating on the problem you can be buried in fear doubt fear and unbelief but hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 says keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said god has said this 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, so we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Doesn't matter what the world's trying to do to you. It really doesn't even matter what the devil's trying to do to you right now. If you will just meditate on God our Father. Meditate on the Word. Meditate on the things of God. Set some time apart with God every day of your life. Matter of fact, a lot of people do this first thing in the morning. They grab their Bibles, go to a quiet place, and they break open the book, and they pray, talk to God, and read His Word, and see what God will say to them that day, that morning, that hour. Um, it's just a matter of will we set the time aside? Or are we just going to... Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I can't listen to the news anymore. I just can't do it. I can't listen to the news because I cannot bear to meditate on all of that information. The Word of God tells me that I'm supposed to be the child of God that gets on his knees, prays, and asks God to, you know, to, you know, fix everything in this country from my house all the way to the White House. And the Bible says we're to pray for our leaders so that we might live in peace. Are you living in peace right now? If you're not living in peace right now, there's got to be a reason for that. We need to meditate on the things of God. We need to be people of prayer, and we need to let God grow our faith. We need to let God fix our attitude. We need to let God remind us that there is no place for fear, doubt, fear, and unbelief. There is no place in that for the life of a Christian who meditates on the presence and on the things and on the Word of God. How about that? Amen? I hope you feel encouraged uh, by the Word today. And if you find yourself lately just, you know, really in a battle about concerns, I mean, you look at this, it, you know, if you over-focus and meditate on the problems in this world today, they look insurmountable. They look like, how in the world can anybody fix this? Well, no matter what it is you end up seeing on the news or whatever you hear, God is still on the throne. God is still the creator of the, the universe. Like we said last Sunday, he's the creator of the solar system and our central nervous system. <laughs> Both of them are pretty intricate pieces of artwork that only God could do. Amen? All right. Well, I love you very much and uh, appreciate you. Uh, 11 weeks. 11 weeks we've been together on the Internet, and you've been faithful, and um, I appreciate that. I'm humbled as your pastor. I love you so much. I've missed you. I'm looking forward to being together really under any circumstances. Bear with us. While we do what we have to do uh, to be able to get back into the building and be able to be together, even though uh, you, you may not even agree with all of the requirements, bear with us, work with us, uh, let God help you um, uh, bear, bear with the situation a little bit, and, and I promise you it's not always going to be like this. And before you know it, we're going to be back to moving forward the way God designed us to, which is to be social creatures, to be together, to have human contact. And, um, and I'm believing God for the miracle of, of uh, not only, we don't want to return to what we had or what we were. We want to return or we want to turn to what God wants. Keep all of that in your heart and mind. And thank you for being patient with me. I'm humbled by the love and care and respect you've shown me as your pastor. Um, I am so humbled by that. And 
And I'm so glad you're in my life and in Ruthie's life. And we're praying for you, and we pray that you continue to pray for us. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for the time you gave us to be in your word today. Thank you for preparing our hearts and minds and our, and our bodies, even, Father, our physical beings, for being able to get together next Sunday. And, and Father, I understand that there may be some that won't be able to be with us. And I understand that, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, that we're, we're going to continue to uh, put our messages out there on the Internet. We're going to continue to do the Monday through Thursday time at 8 in the morning. I love getting a cup of coffee, Father, and sharing a passage of Scripture from your Word. And, Father, I thank you for the Galatians teaching that we're doing Monday nights at 6. We're going to continue to teach the Bible and continue to preach over the Internet. And, Father, I want to thank you for the people that have uh, come become a part of our lives. I want to thank you, Father, for this church in India, Pastor Kumar, who found us on the Internet and, and, and wants to build a relationship with us, Father, at Life Spring Bible Church, and we want to build a relationship with them, this Pentecostal church in a village in India. Who knows, Father, what what all you're going to do in the in the relationship that you're building between us and that Pentecostal church in that village in India. And Father, we just thank you that, that you're causing us to be open, Lord, to uh, missions the way that you are, and we thank you for that, Father. Lord, once again, may we live for you this day, uh, bless the words of our mouth, all that we say and do, Father, to give glory and honor and praise to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Hope to see you next Sunday. Bye.